This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is Making Beyonce. The fame and fortune only happens here on Star Search, the world's greatest talent competition. Episode 2, Star Search. Now who will become one song closer to the $100,000 prize? You've waited this long. I'm going to have to ask you to wait just a little bit longer. Stand by for the most spirited young talent in America. By late 1992, the girls in Beyonce's group, Girls Time, are tweens. Beyonce's just turned 11, and the rest of the girls are hovering at around that age. They were hoping to catch the attention of a major record label, but the countless hours and money spent over the past couple of years was looking to be for naught. At this point in their short career, things were at a standstill and Girls' Time needed a breakthrough moment. As hope was starting to fade, the group's producer, Arnie Frager, had an idea. Well, we weren't getting a record deal and uh, everything was looking kind of bleak and I was trying to figure out what to do. And the great TV exposure talent show of its time, the sort of... um, American Idol of its time was this one and only talent show on television, Star Search. Before there was an American Idol, before there was America's Got Talent, before there was The Voice, there was Star Search. Star Search was syndicated across America. It ran for more than a decade in its original form in the 1980s and 90s, and the list of future stars that went through its ranks is really incredible. Comedians Martin Lawrence and Adam Sandler, singers Aaliyah, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Usher. Those are just a few of the many. So I just called them cold. And at that time, R&B music was pretty much dominating all the charts. And we had young R&B girls with uh, rappers. And then at that time, there was the new edition and Belle Viv DeVoe. So... I was in the, uh, sort of in the zone of what was on the radio. They contacted me a week later, said, we love it. We'd like to put the girls on. And just like that, the girls went from practicing on a homemade stage in the Knoll's backyard on Parkwood Drive to the biggest stage in the U.S. of A. But winning on Star Search meant more than eyeballs. Sure, there was a $100,000 prize if you won your category, but again, they were hoping for something that money just couldn't buy. I thought if we had a win at Star Search under our belt, we would get a record deal. In the fall of 1992, Girls' Time gets its golden ticket. 
Girls Time member and co-lead singer Ashley Davis. We were elated when we found out we were going on Star Search. Star Search, to me, is still probably one of the best shows of all time. Ed McMahon, you know. Ed McMahon, the guy perhaps best known as the sidekick to Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show for over 30 years. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny. We just knew we were going to be on this nationwide scene contest and we knew it could change our lives we didn't know how it could change our lives girls time producer lonnie jackson knew the stakes we thought that people would come to us from seeing that and offered record deals so on and so forth but we're just grateful for the opportunity and got up there and uh just whatever was going to present itself we're just making sure we're going to be ready on our end now accepted onto the world's biggest talent show They had to bring together all they'd done up until this point. The long days, the boot camp, everything, and tear the roof off the sucker. Beyonce strives to make each project better than the one before. This is where all that started. Well, the moment we found out that we were getting on Star Search, we immediately went in and started perfecting some of the stuff that we were already developing, we had to pick the songs that we wanted. I remember we got permission from my school to take me out of school and travel. We had about a month and a half, two months to prepare for Star Search. Practice was was intense. And it's here where you really start to understand some of the ways in which girls' time stood out as performers. We weren't stressed about getting anything wrong or right. And that's what that training did for us. We never felt like we had to prepare. We were prepared, and it just so happened it was one of the biggest stages for us. We never had an inkling that if we don't win, dot, dot, dot. We knew we were the best. We knew that we could win. But we never had an inkling that we could lose. No, not at all. Are you kidding? No. (laughs) Please. The show was recorded in advance. So in late 1992, with all the confidence in the world, it was time to head to Orlando, Florida, where the show was filmed. The group and all of their parents packed up, boarded their planes, and were going to Disney World. Beyonce's father, Matthew Knowles. So as a dad, I went down to Orlando with the mothers and the managers. I remember everyone was with us from parents to Lonnie to Tony. I mean, we came in like a fortified, you know, you would have thought we were signed to Sony Records. I mean, Orlando was exciting. Star Search and Disney. What more could a group of young performers want? And the girls, even Ashley, despite shifts in the group dynamic, couldn't have felt more ready. Orlando was, if you have never been or if you've never taken a young child to Orlando, we all have the same excitement. The difference is we were going to Star Search and Disney. So we got off that plane like we had hit the jackpot of all jackpots. In the 1993 season, the competition was stiff. Again, confidence was sky high, space mountain high. And it wasn't just the girls who were feeling it, as Matthew Knowles explains. Literally, we got an extra room in a hotel because there was all of this luggage because in everyone's mind, the girls was going to win for months. 
While Arnie Frager used his clout to get girls' time in the door, the band's skeleton crew took a different path. The Detroit-based acoustic rock band was up against girls' time on the show. The band's guitarist Scott Christie and keyboardist Dan Hess say that, unlike girls' time, they kind of got roped into it. My phone just rang out of the blue one day. They said, we got your tape. Uh, sounds great. Are you guys interested in doing our show? And well, Hold on, back up. Okay. So what? <laughs> first what happened is Scott told us at, at rehearsal that somebody was pulling a joke on us and thought that one of our friends was calling as Star Search. So we didn't return her phone call at first. They left a message. This is Marilyn Fisher from Star Search. Please call. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that went by to I think the following week, and she had called again. So Scott goes, I think we should call her back. <laughs> we talked to her, and she laid it all out. She could tell that we weren't thrilled about. We we weren't jumping all over. We were it. ambivalent about it because we 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 thought it was hokey. We did not want to do Star Search. Right at the time, we were a, a rock band. We didn't want to go on a. It had a stigma within at least our own minds, right? And probably the minds of our friends. And she said, look, I know you probably think it's hokey. She goes, I can tell you this. The worst thing that will happen is you guys come down here. You spend four or five days, record a show, say you lose. You just had an amazing time, fully paid by us, all access to Disney. And that's pretty much what sold us. We thought, well, none of our friends, nobody's going to know we're on Star Search unless we tell them we're on Star Search. For music acts on Star Search, there are multiple categories in which the performers could compete. A junior category, a group category, solo categories, and so on. So when Girls' Time found out who they'd be performing against... It didn't quite square with anyone on their team. You know, they had to, they had to take them out of the kid category and put them in with the adults because they were so much better than the other kids. A country western band of four guys singing. If I'm not mistaken, it was a little boy act. And I just remember saying, why are they competing against some 30, 40-year-old rock band and they're an R&B group? Again, Scott from Skeleton Crew. We were roundabout late 20s. Ashley Davis. We knew we were the best of the best. We knew we were the only ones. So when we get up against this rock band, we're like, huh? While Girls' Time felt like the matchup was unfair, pitting them against an adult rock band, they knew they had a tight act. They were ready. And the girls weren't the only ones on their team prepared for battle. Skeleton Crew's Dan Hess explains. On our day off, there was this meet and greet that Star Search would host. All the new talent coming in and the people who had already done the show. And I remember this is our fourth or fifth show. And this really sharp gentleman walked up to us and said, heard you all are a skeleton crew. And I'm like, yeah. He said, you know, I got to tell you, my girls are going to beat you. <laughs> my girls are going to beat you. And, and we just got a chuckle. And that was Beyonce's dad. It was really jovial. There was no malintent. No, it was no. just really but they were all business. Playful. Oh, yeah. They were focused. They were there to win. They were professionals on their way. First things first, though, 
girls' time needed to get through Skeleton Crew, a group that had already handily beaten three bands in a row before having to take on the girls from Houston. That bout and dissension in the girls' time ranks after the break. I'm Jill Hopkins, and this is Making Beyonce. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. In late 1992, Girls' Time is getting ready to compete on the nationally televised talent competition, Star Search. But buried somewhere in the group, there was friction happening. Ashley Davis felt it. She'd experienced it firsthand. I could feel the tension, and it wasn't as fun (laughs) to do the performances because a lot of things would switch at the last minute, and they were playing us against each other. When I say us, it was me and Beyonce vocally, and it's... A shame. And the tension seemed to be spreading. Maybe it was the $100,000 grand prize. Maybe it was all the money they'd spent already. So much of it. Maybe it was that if they lost on national television, so too might go their hopes of a major label record deal. Whatever the reasons, Girls' Time songwriter Tony Moe says that the tension that began when they were back in Sausalito in Houston continued on through to the competition in Orlando. And it was in the time leading up to this trip that Tony Moe and Arnie Frager say other dynamics started to shift. And that some of the adults, management and parents alike, were getting pissed off. Things were getting heated. We would have meetings, probably weekly and nightly, about what they were going to be singing. After the studio, there was a lot of arguing about the group, who was the lead singer, just because Beyonce sang lead in the studio... They were still trying to sort out that. And there was a lot of political tension because also Matthew was starting to assert himself. And really, it was clear to me that Matthew was going to wind up pushing hard to take over the management of the group. And at that point, Matthew began to do a lot more stuff like voice his opinion and say stuff like, you know, ass is too tall. And it was some, when I say some meetings that were dead out you you bitch f- you f- you like really I hate to even say it but ugly I mean the girls would be around and we have to have the girls have to leave and go play and they had to have a conversation and when they had a conversation it was a, a knockout argument this is before Star Search so everybody was kind of bickering before Star Search about the songs and, and and you know your daughter's too big you know she need to be in the back like on the picture because she was too tall she don't need to be in the front well I'm the dad we call my daughter that you know F you you know you F you Matthew F you and your F you and you know all that kind of shit. I'm talking about the language was bad I don't think Matthew thought 
that the gals that were running the show really knew what they were doing, and I, I tended to agree with them. But uh, more importantly, I could relate to Matthew because Matthew was a salesman. At that time, he worked for Xerox. You'd like him right away. He just had a really good personality, and I figured that he was going to wind up managing the group. And he started to take on a, a more active role with the girls. And so that's when he began to do stuff and say stuff like, listen, if Beyonce's not up front, I'm going to pull out the group. When we spoke with Matthew Knowles about what was going on for him during the early years of girls' time and about this moment in particular and his level of involvement in the girls' careers, this is what he told us. Girls' time, I didn't get involved until they went to Star Search. So they had been together almost two years. About the only people who weren't fighting were the kids. So while things were tense behind the scenes, Girls' Time had a performance to get ready for. In a competition like Star Search, one where you need to win to advance, and part of what helps you win is the strength of your material, there's a balancing act. Do you go with your strongest material right out of the gate to make a dynamic first impression, or do you hold on to those songs till later? You need a song that's strong enough to get you through the first round, but you have to be strategic so that you don't burn through all of your best songs too soon. Now, with the girls' time team in Orlando, it was time to plot out that balancing act. It was the girls' first time on national television, and they really wanted to make sure they blew everyone away. They opted to perform a relatively new song, Talking About My Baby. Although Matthew says he wanted no part in managing the group, he did weigh in on song selection. And I told the managers, I said, look, I think this is a terrible idea. Matthew said he didn't think the panel of judges would get it. And I suggested, hey, why don't we do this beautiful ballad and we'll let these 50-year-old white judges, they can understand that. But they're not going to understand these little girls rapping. Tony Moe, the principal songwriter for Girls' Time, was against using that song as well. It's one of the few songs he didn't have a hand in writing. But he says that wasn't why he was against it. Everybody loved Boyfriend, and everybody loved Sunshine. So everybody was debating on those two songs. So when he wanted to sing something else, Lonnie wanted to do something new and fresher. He wanted to do that. It was kind of like, why would you want to sing something else? So he kind of threw everybody off. And they didn't want Ashley to do any lead. They wanted her to do, like, the rapping. Yeah, I don't even remember that song. When I see that, I'm just like, who? when, when did we record that song? And that's the one they were going to go on a television show with. So I was like, really? on a television show. But there was only one person making the call to perform Talking About My Baby, producer Lonnie Jackson. It wasn't a vote of who doing what. It was kind of my decision on what we were doing. Tony Moe. I thought it was not a good song and a good choice because the girls didn't know that song very well. And I remember uh, my mom was very livid because I ended up doing the rap. You know, she should have been singing, not rapping. Like, that song is so, like, when did I become the rapper? Like, it was just, ugh. And I just remember, I think that morning, it was just like, hey, it was like a meeting in one of the hotel rooms. 
that we were going to do that song. I just kind of remember feeling like, uh, okay. It just depleted the idea of being on Star Search, I guess. In the days and hours leading up to their first bout, despite misgivings about song selection or any of the internal fighting amongst the adults, the girls meant business. And as ready as they felt they already were, there's no greater motivator than to look directly into the glaring faces of your competition. Again, Dan and Scott of Skeleton Crew. Here's Dan. So we have a rehearsal day, and you get like maybe, you get a chance to do like, three run-throughs of your song um, that you're going to perform. And I remember just watching them move while they, right? That's what I thought were in trouble. They they were really good. They were sharp, man. They had right on. Vocals were right on. Dance moves were right on. They looked amazing. They sounded great. I mean, (laughs) they had it together. They were impressive. It wasn't like you thought, oh, they're good for their age. They're just good, you know. <laughs> so, plus they had the cute factor going for them. They were, they were stylish and cute, you know. I mean, come on. Then came the real game day. Are you ready? I'm ready. Stand by for stardom in five, four, three, two, one. It's showtime! From the spectacular Disney MGM Studios in Orlando, Florida, it's Ed McMahon Star Search 93. Ladies and gentlemen, the star of Star Search 93, Ed McMahon! Thank you. Okay, folks, this is it. The lights are hot. The girls are in their custom ensembles put together by Beyonce's mother, Tina, and Ashley's mother, Carolyn. Tina Knowles has become more involved in the group's wardrobe and look, and in the years to come, she'll help shape Beyoncé's style and that of her future group, Destiny's Child. Here at Star Search, everyone is taking care of any last-minute details before they get ready to perform for an audience of millions. Skeleton Crew's Scott Christie remembers the girls all had laser focus. I recall specifically... And it might have been right before we were going on to perform against them that they were all sitting on the couch. We were backstage and (laughs) just geared up and focused. And I honestly thought, oh, boy, we're in trouble. (laughs) And uh, we were having a great time. So I was asking them, isn't this great? Aren't you? How do you guys like Magic Kingdom? Did you go on Space Mountain? And they were like, we're not we're not going to go on anything till after we take care of business. And it's sort of... (laughs) Yeah, they basically said, we're not going to Disney until we beat you. (laughs) Which was a matter of fact. Yeah. So part of me was, oh, guys, have a good time. (laughs) You know, it's it's all good. Yeah. Girls Times, Ashley Davis. I remember we were nervous once we saw those guys because I think we, I don't know if one of the girls kind of acts like, You know, is this fair? You know, they're older. I remember those kind of conversations going back and forth. And I remember our parents kept saying, you guys are going to be great. Don't worry about that. You know, do what you came here to do. Skeleton Crew's Dan Hess says that there was one unifying factor among all of the contestants, a bond born of primal and biological need. Leading up to the show, what I remember is everybody being so nervous 
that the bathrooms were, we all hung out in this green room, right? And the bathrooms were quite a walk. So I just remember that corridor that led to the bathroom was just filled with all the performers going back and forth because, hey, I just say, you have to pee when you're nervous. Music the group champion, Skeleton Crew, and folk model champion, Don Stern. Now, with everyone presumably having peed and otherwise readied themselves and calmed their nerves, the band category was up next. Okay, so fair warning. This was almost 30 years ago, so the quality of the recording varies. This might even be Betamax. I don't know. Now, the stage on Star Search revolved like a dish in a microwave, and there was a wall that split it down the center. On one side was the act performing, and on the other was the act getting ready for their turn. Skeleton Crew had been in the competition for several rounds at this point, and as returning champs, they're up first. Beyonce, Ashley, and the rest of the girls will have to wait through the crew's performance before they make their big splash. But right now, it's Skeleton Crew's turn. The groups give you the performance that could lead to $100,000. The champs are going for win number four from Detroit, singing a song they wrote, Welcome the Acoustic Power of Skeleton Crew. When you tune into the sort of the studio audience and the judges and, and their response, and you're like, okay, we, we did a good job on that one. But what bothered me um, is that Star Search required that all songs were two minutes long. So for me, it just, the song did not flow properly. That's what I remember playing that song is this arrangement just isn't right. <laughs> but the performance wise, it felt good when we were up there doing it. Judges will vote on a scale of one to four for being best after your challenges. The girls were ready, each donning a colorful puffy jacket, shorts, and high tops. It was time to, as the girls put it to Skeleton Crew, take care of business. Now, take a deep breath and... It's kind of quiet, prayed about what was going on and went on and they did their thing. Your challenges are a young group from Houston. Welcome Beyonce, Lativia, Nina, Nikki, Kelly, and Ashley, the hip-hop rappin' Girls' Time. Skeleton Crew's Scott Christie. When Girls' Time was up there, I just remember seeing their outfits and their choreography and their production and just going wow this is current this is fresh we're 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 done you know they got it they got it they're so good Just naturally watching them, you gravitated towards watching Beyonce. She definitely had something going on. Thank you, girls' time. So I was a, a bit surprised that, you know, the judges threw us. Skeleton crew, four stars, a perfect score, the challenger girls' time received. Three stars, skeleton crew, champions once again. 
Congratulations. We'll see you next week. Yeah, it was unexpected. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that outcome either. Ashley Davis couldn't believe it. Yeah, no. Looking at that footage, no. That, that, we, we were, no. Mm-mm. Lonnie Jackson was beside himself. When the scores were coming out to me, I was in really, I mean, I'm looking, but I'm still more at all about who they put them up against. The totally unfair. Songwriter Tony Moe had a different beef. I thought it was horrible. I thought the green eggs and ham was horrible. I don't even remember the line. I just thought the whole thing was just horrible. Lyrically. Dan Hess and Scott Christie said the victory against the girls was a little bittersweet. They were kids, you know. We were big boys. We could handle it. We had already won three or four performances there at the show. We had a great time. Frankly, we were ready to go home. Our bass player was a, literally a mailman for the city of Dearborn outside of Detroit and was taking a lot of flack. He'd run out of vacation time and he was under a lot of pressure to come home. It was kind of getting time to go back to Detroit, you know. So got a lot of mixed emotions. And I couldn't help think about the reactions of these young girls. I seem to remember a couple of tears uh, yeah, after the definitely. show, too, you know, from the girls. Matthew Knowles. I mean, literally, when the, the, the camera uh, turned off of them, they boo-hooed. Ashley Davis. We were tears. <laughs> Dan Hess. Beyonce's father approached us right after her. And he said, thanks a lot, guys. Now I got to take a week off and take the girls to the park. Because <laughs> he felt bad. He, because, of course, they thought they would, you know, he'd, they'd have more days to come. Well, you can see in our faces, <laughs> they called us the hip-hop and duo. I think people to this day laugh at that, like the hip-hop and duo. Like, who who, who told you we were a hip-hop and duo? Like, And I think all of that stuff just played into it. You could see we already kind of knew it wasn't going right. And then when they said it, we just was like, okay, cool. Get us off the stage. Let us just go play. And we just cried. And nothing could have consoled us. I mean, nothing could have consoled us that day. Matthew Knowles. Like any dad, you know, it touched my heart. So I went over to uh, Mr. McMahon, Ed McMahon. I say, you know, Mr. McMahon, I'm just a dad here. I'm not involved with the management or anything. Do you have any suggestions? And he says, well, Mr. Dose, I don't know why this always happened, but the people that come on here and they repeatedly win, professionally, you never hear about. But you know, there's people that's come on here that lost, and they went back and they made changes in the, their organization. They rededicated. And I never forgot that. I kind of... You know, I fouled it in my, my mind. Still, I hadn't gotten involved in the management part as of yet. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one -on -one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In 2013, 20 years after Girls' Time's appearance on Star Search, Beyonce would memorialize the loss in the video for her song, Flawless, 
on her self-titled release. The video was end-capped with their introduction on Star Search and the final results. Here's Beyonce from a video commentary she put out about it. When I put Ed McMahon introducing us as the the hip-hop rapping girls' time, it clicked something in my mind. While the song itself isn't about their loss here, it is about, as Beyonce describes it, the larger lesson she took from it. I feel like something about the aggression of Bow Down and the attitude of Flawless, the reality is sometimes you lose. (laughs) And you're never too good to lose. You're never too big to lose. You're never too smart to lose. It happens, and it happens when it needs to happen. And you have to embrace those things. Beyonce's father was the one to give Girls Time one of those full hearts, clear eyes, can't lose pep talks after their defeat. Words that sound like they might have come from the world of sales he was used to. Well, I say to them what I say to everyone, that loss is an opportunity to grow, not a reason to quit. They understood. They understood that they had to practice harder. That might have been the sentiment he left the girls with, but it was clear to everyone that things were unraveling. Things got acrimonious pretty soon after the scorers were announced. It was time for a team huddle. In the days that followed, there was a group meeting. Again, Girls Time producer, Monty Jackson. The parents talked to their kids. I mean, Beyonce team was there. I think all the parents pretty much came up for that. So everybody grabbed the kids, they talked and we had a group meeting about what we, what we were doing moving forward and uh, we kept going. Tony Mo has a very different recollection of how that meeting played out. When they came back from that particular meeting, I do remember it just being chaos. We all had a conversation about why did they sing that song, what was that song about and we all argued because Ashley didn't get a chance to sing for real. Ashley is rapping and Ashley's a singer we felt that the song was too new for them to sing. They should have been singing, again, one of the songs they were familiar with and something we had been practicing for two years. So we all had a, a, a knockout argument about why did they sing that song? They shouldn't have been singing that song. And we were going to leave the group. By we, Tony Moe means he and Ashley Davis were out. So that was the argument that started it all, that ended it all. I remember, I remember being there for that meeting and there was some more cussing and, and some more, you know, knock, drag out a conversation. And at that point, Ashley and I left. We left the group. From there, many of the other pillars began to fall. Tony and Lonnie had a falling out. And A&A Music, the production company Lonnie Jackson and Arnie Frager formed to help get Girls Time a record deal, that fell apart too. When the contract ended, I stopped working with Arnie with the girls because, you know, just some things had happened in the past with him that was affecting us getting a deal. Lonnie claims that Arnie didn't quite have the relationships he'd hoped he did, but that didn't matter to Matthew. Matthew at the time took the opportunity to say that ANA is Arnie Frager and Alonzo Jackson. Alonzo Jackson made a bad decision with Arnie Frager and it kind of messed up the girls, so... I can't differentiate the difference between you two. It was a bad deal, and we're going to move forward and try to do other things. 
That's not how it played out in Arnie's mind. After the girls' time performance on Sars Church, there was a certain amount of how are we going to do something and make something happen because the girls, you almost had to be concerned the band was going to break up. So I had extensive conversations with Matthew and with Anne, and we decided that the management team really needed some strength and some people in it that were professionals because nothing was happening. And it was pretty clear that there was some really exciting talent that should be able to get ahead. So that was when Matthew really started to insert himself because he wasn't really even a part of the team of management other than he was Beyonce's father. But that was the beginning of my exit from the team. Matthew and Ann had asked me at that time if I would join the management group and really stick with the girls, and I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't do that and still maintain my recording business. And when I look back on it, maybe I would have made a different decision had I known, <laughs> had I known that I would have wound up with millions of dollars. I might have definitely made a different decision. Tony Moe is out. Lonnie Jackson's out. Arnie Frager's out. But perhaps the hardest hit emotionally of the newly departed was singer Ashley Davis. I don't think there was a formal thing. I think my parents just, my mom just told me. She said, um, you know, after today, I don't think we're going to keep you in the group. It was like the one of the hardest things to hear. And I remember those tears lasted me for some years. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I picked myself up from that for a while because that, that was my exit as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Ashley wouldn't be the last one to go either. Girls' Time's fate was all but sealed in that loss on Star Search. More changes were still ahead. Next time on Making Beyonce, Matthew gets involved. Me and Ann Tillman partnered. We made changes and there was no more dancers. A lineup change, a name change, and the birth of destiny. Beyonce, Kelly, Latavia, and Toya were, they were really a group. They were best friends. Be sure that you're subscribed to Making Beyonce on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're there, please give us a rating or a review. It's really helpful. Making Beyonce is a production of WBEZ Chicago. I'm Jill Hopkins. The senior producer is Joe Dassault. The executive producer is Brendan Banizak. And the managing director is Kevin Dawson. Our engineer is Shelley Steffens. Production help from Jen White, Meha Ahmad, and Justin Bull. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. 
Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.